Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Wednesday, April 12th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Vince McMahon transformed the WWE into the world's biggest pro wrestling company, and St. Louis played a key role in building that empire. You know, what you see after Vince takes control in 1983 is he starts muscling in on other territories, including St. Louis. Coming up, St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum talks with author Abraham Josephine Reisman about the book Ringmaster, Vince McMahon, and the Unmaking of America. The Missouri House has given initial approval to bills limiting access to health care and to sports for transgender minors. As St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports, the measures differ from legislation passed by the Senate. House members voted to advance the legislation that bars transgender minors from accessing gender-affirming health care like puberty blockers and hormone treatment. Additionally, the House also passed a bill stopping transgender athletes from playing on sports teams that aligned with their gender identity. Representative Jamie Johnson is one of many Democrats who spoke against the legislation. The practice of what we are doing here today is discriminatory. It is bigotry in practice. The House bills do not contain expiration dates on either part or all of the legislation like the Senate bills do. Also not included is the Senate's clause allowing trans youth who are currently receiving certain transition-related treatment to continue to do so. It is unclear whether the Senate would accept a version different from theirs. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. The top prosecutor in St. Louis is again calling for the dismissal of a lawsuit seeking to remove her from office. Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner says her actions do not support her ouster. She is again describing Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey's efforts to remove her as politically motivated. The Post-Dispatch reports Gardner's comments come in another legal filing in the lawsuit by the Attorney General. A hearing in the case is set for next week. A federal judge in Illinois today will hear arguments in a lawsuit challenging the state's recent assault weapons ban. Mawa Iqbal reports. Gun rights advocates are seeking a preliminary injunction to block the ban, which went into effect in January. The Illinois State Rifle Association is among the plaintiffs that sued the state. Executive Director Richard Pearson told a gun rights rally in Springfield last month he's confident about the case. We've won 25 cases against governments of various kinds, and we're going to continue to fight. They have no right to attack individual citizens just because they want to. The plaintiffs argued the ban on various firearms, magazines, and weapons like the AR-15 violates their Second Amendment rights. Advocates also filed several lawsuits in state court. None has received a final judgment yet. I'm Mawa Iqbal. East St. Louis is receiving more than $25 million to fund public housing repairs and renovations over the next five years. More than 2,200 people out of the city's population of roughly 18,000 are in public housing. East St. Louis Housing Authority Interim Director Angela Russell-Perry hopes the improvements will help residents beat generational poverty. It's time for our people to be in the 21st century and to live in better-looking units, and maybe they will feel better about themselves. The work is funded primarily by federal grants. 2023 has already been an active year for tornadoes, with multiple outbreaks throughout the Midwest and South at the end of last month. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports the storms are becoming more frequent east of the Great Plains. 
Over the past 40 years, storm researchers have documented a steady rise in the number of tornadoes forming in states east of the Mississippi River. Victor Gensini is a professor of meteorology at Northern Illinois University, who published a paper on the topic in 2018. He says updated figures from that research show the trend isn't slowing down. That increasing frequency along and east of the Mississippi River is incredibly important for society. We are essentially more vulnerable as you move east because we have a greater population density. We have more assets, right? A bigger human exposure. Gensini says communities in the Midwest and South need to be prepared since it only takes a single tornado to cause massive damage. I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. The chairman and CEO of St. Louis-based architectural firm HOK has died. The company says Bill Helmuth died April 6th after a lengthy illness. His uncle founded HOK in St. Louis in 1955. Helmuth spent about 18 months in the St. Louis office in the early 90s before spending the rest of his career at the firm's Washington, D.C. location. He became CEO in 2016. Helmuth planned to retire this month. He was 69. Fans will gather in Grand Center again this fall for the Music at the Intersection Festival. It's set for September 9th and 10th. The lineup includes more than 50 national and regional artists. St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports. Local artists Mino and the Mighty Pines will join jazz bassist Thundercat, singer Angela Winbush, Grandmaster Flash, and Taj Mahal in the festival's lineup this fall. This year's event will also celebrate the region's jazz and blues roots and feature a tribute to 50 years of hip-hop. Chris Hansen is executive director of the Kranzberg Arts Foundation. He told St. Louis on the Air that organizers aim to appeal to different generations and attract more people to live in the region. Our young college students that are making a choice where they might want to live and work, uh, we want to retain them. We want them to think mm-hmm. that St. Louis is a great, vibrant place that's cutting edge, it's got amazing things for them. Other performers include jazz artists Keon Harold and Denise Times. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. The WWE is the world's dominant professional wrestling company. Author Abraham Josephine Reisman says St. Louis played a key role in building that empire. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum talks with Reisman about St. Louis's impact on pro wrestling history and the author's book, Ringmaster, Vince McMahon and the Unmaking of America. I'm at the South Broadway Athletic Club, and in the center of this ring is where grapplers from all over the region participate in the art form known as professional wrestling. And there's a really deep and visceral connection between St. Louis and professional wrestling. In the present day, WWE usually has some of its biggest events here, such as the Royal Rumble and Survivor Series. But it didn't always used to be this way. Before Vince McMahon, decided to uh, become an expansionist with his World Wrestling Federation. Wrestling was a regional business. It was, it was local. That's author Abraham Josephine Reisman. And in her book, Reisman writes that a promotion called the St. Louis Wrestling Club was a key part of the National Wrestling Alliance. She added that the founder of the St. Louis Wrestling Club, Sam Muchnick, was a legendary figure in the history of professional wrestling. Muchnick was also behind the popular St. Louis television show, Wrestling at the Chase. Sam Muchnick was a much-beloved and even-tempered promoter of both the St. Louis Wrestling Club 
and also of the National Wrestling Alliance, which was not a federation. It was, like I said, a little cartel of promoters, but he was the president of that cartel and tremendously influential, you know, throughout the second half, uh, much of the second half of the 20th century. But after Muchnick retired for good in the 1980s, Reisman says that Vince McMahon was beginning an aggressive expansion of what was then called the WWF and what is now called the WWE. You know, what you see after Vince takes control in 1983 is he starts muscling in on other territories, including St. Louis. He cut a deal with KPLR, which was the station that aired um, Wrestling at the Chase, which was a massively popular local or regional television program, and basically just cuts... (laughs) cuts the original regional promotion, the St. Louis Wrestling Club, out of the deal. They they no longer have the hegemony that they had in their own region. While McMahon's programming often portrays his company in the 1980s as the pinnacle of professional wrestling in America, Reisman says purist at the time absolutely hated the product. Vince has rewritten wrestling history because he owns wrestling history. Like he owns the tape libraries and the copyrights for all of the companies that he put out of business that he bought. You know, he he has the history of wrestling in the palm of his hands and he has manipulated it. The 1980s era expansion played a key role in building WWE into a powerhouse, so much so that today it is by far the most popular pro wrestling company in the world. And while Reisman says there were shortcomings for the old system that included the St. Louis Wrestling Club, there were also benefits for individual wrestlers. I do think there is a lot to be said for a regional system, or at least a system with many players. So if for no other reason, then it's good for the labor market, because the workers, the, the wrestlers, should have opportunities to go elsewhere and get different treatment. As a transgender woman, Reisman says she's been gratified by the response from queer and transgender wrestling fans. She recounted a time when a fan who is transgender approached her after a book launch event. They just walked up to me and said, thank you for writing about wrestling from a trans perspective. It really means a lot to me. Reisman's book is a New York Times bestseller. And she hopes that the book will help expand people's conceptions of what a wrestling fan can be and what wrestling can be. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. Before wrapping up, another historic night at City Park. More than 22,000 fans at the soccer stadium cheering a goal by the U.S. women's national team. The U.S. defeated Ireland 1-0 in a tune-up for this year's Women's World Cup. It was the first contest for a national team at City Park. U.S. soccer honored St. Louis area native and team captain Becky Sauerbrunn before the game last night for playing in 200 matches with the national squad. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way.
Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.